to bring you greetings this morning in Jesus' name. Welcome to visitors. Clean, you, clean, uh, Curtis, you could have just kept on going. Um, I don't know what comes to your mind for what you're expecting today. Obviously, everybody knows this is the last day of 2023. And we have anticipation of starting a new day, the Lord tarries, tomorrow. And it will be a new year. So what goals and aspirations, what what things, what resolutions are you going to make or attempt to make? Only time will tell how true they are. <clears throat> but I think it's a good thing. I mean, we can get on the other side and be like, well, everybody else does it, so I'm going to do the opposite. I'm not going to do anything. Or you can be the oddball and wait till October. <clears throat> If a new year feels like a new start, a fresh start, then by all means do it. But don't shoot too high. I made a goal in October, so I'll be that oddball, okay? And it's been working fairly well. Became a little sketchy over the holidays. And I'm not going to say what it was. I'll leave you guess. A few of you will know, or do know. But I don't intend to bring glory to myself, because Justin alluded to that this morning, that there's three things that need to remain silent. But if you make a goal, I find for myself... I like to make a bunch of goals, okay? And then you get that burnout. Get 30 days into it, one month, two months. And my suggestion, and I've found this to be somewhat helpful, is just make one goal. And then stick to it. And then have somebody, a close friend, somebody that you agree with very well, that knows you very well, that can, hey, I'm doing this, can you check up on me, see how I'm doing. And then next year, go for two, because you made one work. Now, I want you to file that away. I know we're getting into the weeds here a little bit. But I want you to think about something that's a little more spiritual. Something that we can strive toward, that we can, as we think of a new year, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, we don't, we don't know what all is going to happen. 2023 was kind of a wild year. What's 2024 going to be like? I'd like us to think about the word or the the thing of joy. 
I'd be interested to know what comes to your mind when you think of joy. I'm not asking for input here. It would be fun to know. But what would be your first first uh, thought of joy? As you think about that, joy is not a luxury. Joy is an emotion that everyone wants, but somewhat remains elusive to a lot of people. The world will tell you that joy is a rare and fleeting emotion that only a few will experience on a regular basis. But little does the world know that the joy that we can find in the Bible, the joy that we can find in the Christian life, the joy that we can find in Jesus Christ is a joy that is going to be beyond what the world is expecting for joy. It's not just a state of mind or a fleeing emotion, but it's a real force. It's a force that can enable us, that can enhance us, and can help us to move forward in our Christian life. Think with me to those that were persecuted for their faith, for their Christian, for their taking up and following Christ. You know, often, if you grab the martyr's mirror, often they would talk about the joy that they had as they went and were burned at the stake. And that was a force that they had that Satan, those that were evil, were trying to stamp out. Joy is not the absence of sadness. <coughs> Or is it the presence of the spectacular? But I'd like you to think about joy as being a focus. And where I got my thoughts from for this morning, is obviously is very familiar. It's the account in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. You can turn there if you care to. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Maybe to give just a little bit of background, we know Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer, he was involved in the exile to Persia, but yet he was very interested in what was happening back in Jerusalem. And he was getting reports of how it was going and Nehemiah was saddened to learn of the trouble that was happening back at Jerusalem. And so with praying and fasting, he got permission from the king to return to Jerusalem. And if we go to chapter 7, verse 1, we see the, the start of the, the reconstruction of Jerusalem. The walls being built. 
And now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set upon the door the portals and the singers, and the Levites were appointed. Then moving to the very last verse of that chapter, chapter 7. They are now dwelling in their cities. The people had settled in their towns. And then we have where we come into our chapter here today, where Ezra reads the book of the law to the people. There in chapter 8, verse 3, it would appear that this reading of the law did take some time. It says from morning till until midday. And it also mentions, I found it interesting, it says the people were attentive. They were listening. They, it was of interest. Um, they perked up and they were, they were taking it in. And they were worshiping God. But here in chapter 8, verse 8, it mentions them understanding the reading. So they not only listened and heard, but they also understood. And this understanding, I believe, caused them to be sorrowful, to weep. And then that brings us to verse 10, where the verse, or the, the, what I want to look at this morning. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this is the day, is, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is the biblical meaning of joy? We have joy that is mentioned throughout the Bible. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, the Old Testament part of joy would have the feeling of exuberant gladness, which is often found with an outward expression of leaping and shouting, singing. Um, it was a natural outcome of their emotion as they fellowship with God. In the New Testament, it's an appropriate response of a believer to the good tidings of great joy, which is encapsulated with the gospel, the good news, which we were look, looking at this morning in our Sunday school lesson. John chapter 15 Verse 11, 
jumping around here this morning, and you don't have to turn there, but or turn to these verses if you care to. You can just listen to John chapter 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. John 16, verses 21 and 22. Here's a physical illustration, something that's tangible that we can understand of this joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of a child, of the child, she remembers no more the anguish, the anguish for the joy that a man is born into this world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh away from you. The physical part of humanity, of bearing children, the pain that goes with childbirth. I don't know if I've shared this with you. If I did, I don't necessarily apologize for it, but I know I've shared this with a few people. And if I shared it with you, I guess bear with me. Um... All of our children were born in the morning. Did I share this with you? Some of you are looking blank, so I didn't. So all of our children were born in the morning. And as a father, sitting beside my wife, coaching, being there, holding her hand, helping her through the process. It's taxing. It's weary little night's sleep the night before. It's exhausting. But understand that when a new birth, a child is born, there is great joy. Now this reality really hit me the night that I was sitting beside Christy when she passed away. I was sitting there by her side holding her hand and through great pain and anguish as she was fighting for her life to help her in a way not give birth but to go into eternity and to have a new day. Just as children come into this world and that's the beginning of their life is a new day. It was a honor, a privilege, a joy. At the moment, it didn't, it didn't feel right. But looking back on it now, it was something we can be part of. And it was the same thing early in the mornings when Christy passed away. Little sleep that night and just exhausted. But to help trans send into that next eternity. 
the joy that we can have. Turn to First Peter, chapter one. Verse 8, I'll read through verse 12. Whom having not seen ye loved, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The part that caught my attention in those verses is the last verse there where it talks about the angels desiring to look into. I'm not sure what all that means. But is it a part of it, the joy that we can have that they don't totally understand? Understand the gospel, the sacrifice, the salvation. That's a mystery to them too. But could it be the joy that we have too in overcoming our circumstances, our trials, our struggles, and yet we can still be joyful? I don't know. I'm just, this is a question that I'm thinking about. How do we make the joy of the Lord our strength. Well, I have a few points. I think the first point is make God first and the only source of your strength and joy. You know, we can make or we can tap into other sources that give us strength and joy but you know, if it's not coming from God, then I question the, the, the longevity of it, the, 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 the not finite, but the, the truth of it. Um, how long is it going to last? Also, I think um, we can't serve two masters. There in Matthew talks about we can't serve two masters. So if we're not getting our joy and our source of strength from God... Then are we in, are we involved in idolatry? While earthly gifts and experiences can give us joy, and I believe there is a place for that, but that is pale, that is small, in comparison to the greatest gift that God gave of pouring Himself out through Jesus Christ. 
Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I would assume that David was the author of this psalm. He had a, a correct perspective of where his source of strength came from. Turning to Hebrews, I'm going to be jumping all around here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to look at Jesus here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy... That was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. The joy that was set before him, before Jesus. Did Jesus find joy in hanging on the cross? I don't believe he did. I believe Jesus suffered great pain, great anguish because he was bearing my sins, your sins on that cross. But this joy that is talking about here, I think is his focus. It looked beyond the cross, the suffering. It was looking to the outcome of being victorious. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the writer. And he is the finisher of my faith, your faith. That joy. And he endured the cross. He didn't give up, back out of it. You know, he prayed to God. He said, Lord, God, Father. This is your will. Let this cup pass from me. But he knew he had to go through with it. And then he despised the shame that led to that. The spitting, the mockery, the beating, the lashing, the ridicule that people that were supposedly following him. Who was left with him? Even his disciples left. And dispersed and fled. But yet he went through. And then it says that he sat down at the right hand the throne of, of the Father of God. He's there for you and me now, interceding. Second point 
making the joy of the Lord our strength, I believe is to allow the Holy Spirit to have full access of your life. And the scriptures back this up. Turn to Galatians 5. Actually, Galatians 5, verse 22, is where the fruit of the Spirit is. And it's the second one that is mentioned there. The first one being love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not... Be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, and provoking one another, envying one another. So part of the spirit is having that joy. Acts thirteen, verse fifty-two. It's talking about the disciples. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Correlation between the Holy Spirit and the joy. Go back a little bit more to Romans 15. Verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Being filled with joy. Connection there. With joy and the Holy Spirit. Can joy be pursued by itself like can you say alright I'm going to go get joy I want to be I want to be joy I want to be a joyful person can you just go get joy well I like to have you think that joy is actually a byproduct it's something that is going to be part of something else it's going to be part of your life as you surrender to God and His will and His way and whatever happens, the joy is going to become part of that. Galatians. Five, verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And then Galatians 5.25, If ye live in a spirit, let us also walk in a spirit. Living by the spirit, walking in a spirit, the spirit will grow that fruit, that joy in our life.
What does a joyful person look like? I came across a list, and I'm still chewing this over a little bit, but I'll give it to you for your consideration. Joy doesn't complain or grumble about people or situations. Joy is predictable, happy every day. Joy doesn't crumble to self-pity at the slightest bit of negative news. Joy talks back to difficult situations with the Word of God. Joy isn't easily defeated, but is empowered by the authority of Jesus. Joy is optimistic, not pessimistic or realistic. Joy Joy encourages and doesn't tear down. Joy is a pleasure to be around. Now, I give that for your consideration because I think there's, we're still human and we're going to still have bad days. And I think, can I say it's okay to have a frown maybe once in a while? But it's going to be what's down deep inside that's going to still surpass that bad day. I got a phone call this morning at 1.30. I wasn't very happy because I was deep in sleep. My milking machine called me and was not milking cows anymore. And I believe... I believe it was a miracle. Because I have a lot going today, okay? Um, This thing that needed to be changed on, it takes about... If you're really good at it, you can do it in a half hour. Last time I did it, it took me two and a half hours. I was ready to do it. And on one last whim, I thought, you know what, Lord? Will you just shine your face upon me and fix this for me? I reset it. And you know what? It worked. I heard the noise and I heard the suction take over. And I'm like, hey, it's working. I thought I was going to be shocked. But I got to go back to bed. Now, what about the joy of the Lord? If you'd have came in the barn this morning and found me, but if I had been joyful? <laughs> There's things that happen in life that just will make you normal. A complainer isn't going to go isn't going to wake up one day to a treasure trove full of answered prayers or blessings from God because he's too busy blocking his own way.
How do we make the joy of the Lord our strength? Point number three. I think it's by expressing gratitude for God's gifts. Things that God gives us. Do we express gratitude for them? God desires to give us good gifts. The illustration in the Bible talks of a father. God is our father. But he uses the illustration of a, as a father to those of his children. You know, just as a father, a physical father desires the best for his children, how much more is God going to desire the best for you as his children? First Timothy. First Timothy chapter six verse seventeen. Sometimes we get <clears throat> gifts and riches mixed up. But here in this verse, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Whether it's physical, the bank account, whatever things, assets that we consider to be rich. How rich is that compared to what God, the gift that God, the relationship that we can have with God, the salvation that we can have with God, things that we can enjoy, even just Sunday school lesson talking about water. Clean was talking about, you know, the hike that they would have to walk to get water. I mean, we don't we take water for granted. Uh, Carrick was filling up my cup here. He wondered how much water I need. I said I probably won't even drink. There in Arizona. I found out very fast how how precious water is. When you have to go fill up a water tank and have to haul it to your house to fill up another water tank, so that is your supply now for hopefully a week. And then if you have company yet that don't understand your water privileges, that like to take whatever, like me, use it, then all of a sudden you have a different perspective of water. You don't take baths, you take showers. And you don't just let the water run when you take a shower. You shut it off in between. You think of it differently. Where am I going with this? These are the gifts that God gives us. That we are entrusted. Take time each day and notice and acknowledge and praise God. And be grateful And those experiences that you have can strengthen and help you. Can I say the joy is a focus? It's not a feeling. It's it's part of a feeling, but it has to be our focus. We won't find joy if we're looking around at everybody else around us. 
for comparing ourselves among ourselves, that's not going to give us joy. Because there's different standards. People are going to have different levels of standards. And we all are going to go through different things in life. What I have to go through is going to be different than what you have to go through. James counted all joy when you can go through those tough times. Research shows that depression, anger, stress can cause a lot of onset of diseases, including cancer, arthritis, heart disease, and more. Now, I do believe there's an exception. We still live in a fallen world. We still have failing bodies. Because you got sick, because you got cancer, because of this or that, doesn't necessarily mean that you were depressed or whatever. But if you have a a negative outview of life, those things can suppress your immune system. But having a joyful heart can actually be good medicine. And as research shows that having a joyful heart can lower blood pressure, release muscle tension, decrease stress hormones, and boost the immune system. I'll have to give that to whoever, but I do believe having a joyful heart can be good medicine. When you are full of the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. Strength to defeat the devil, the evil one. There's no door open here. Strength to overcome any trial, any temptation. Strength to live longer and happy and stronger when you're full of the joy of the Lord. So I ask, what does the joy of the Lord, my strength, mean? It means that the joy of the Lord provides not the finances, not the physical strength, not the political power, It's where my strength comes from. God gives joy. And the joy that we come and the strength that comes from that joy even when life is hard. The joy of the Lord is a unique strength because it's not dependent on its own ability to be happy or positive. But instead it comes from trusting in God and believing that He will work all things out together for good. And you can find that in Romans 8.28. This type of joy can give us peace when everything around us seems so turmoil, chaotic. It's the courage that we can tap into our faith, that our faith may be tested, but we can have joy. Closing. Sometimes I think that happiness and joy are the same thing. But they simply aren't. 
Happiness relies on the circumstances that are around me, the things that make me happy. And that can change, just like this morning. Joy, on the other hand, comes from God. And He is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Something solid that we can have. So my encouragement is, this is December 31st, 2023. Start the new year out with the joy of the Lord. And I guarantee you that you will have a successful year. Shall we kneel for prayer? Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you care about each one of us. And Lord, as we stand here at the close of this year, anticipating another year, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to keep our focus on you, to tap into the sources that you have for our joy, that we could be victorious, and that the joy that we have could help us to continue on in our journey of life. Lord, I just pray for each one here, each person, each struggle, each trial. Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we endeavor to follow you. Be with those of our number who are not here too, Lord. Be with them where they're at. Suit a blessing to them too, Lord. Lord, most of all, Lord, we desire to be in fellowship with you. And someday, Lord, we know that you will return. And Lord, we hope that all of us here will be faithful in watching and, and following you. Lord, go with us now through this day. We ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen.